Hello everyone, and welcome back to us being back. Um, Craig, say hi. Yes. Hi, how are you? Uh, I'm doing okay. I have a lot no, of no, thoughts no, in No, not you. Not, not you. I was asking the audience. Oh, okay. I'll just wait for the response. Yeah, uh, respectfully. If we hear voices, I'm out of here. So, Craig, I have a lot of thoughts about video games. And I think we should do this in a format known as the Game of the Year Awards. Okay. Um, I couldn't afford the the ring girls to walk around with cards that say Game of the Year. I couldn't afford Gillette Man or any other nonsense. So we'll just talk. Okay. I mean, that sounds fine. Talking sounds like a really good way to deal with this without interruptions. Like, um, what do you call that guy that busts through the wall? Graham Norton. Soda. Oh my god, no. Oh. I was thinking of the... Kool-Aid man? The big jug of juice. <laughs> the big jug of juice man? Yeah. <laughs> the big jug of juice man. Yeah. Oh yeah, like that. We don't Our... need any of that fanfare. No, no. Uh, okay, so uh, the way this is going to work this year is because it is just me and Craig. Um, it's going to be kind of a condensed list, and it's going to be a more laid-back list. Um... We're not, we, we definitely decided, eh, we don't really need to focus on the negative. So let's just do the positive. People hear us complain all year long. So no need to do that now. So what we have with us is a bunch of categories, probably in things that you can imagine. And then one or two that you're like, oh, that's a dumb category. So Craig. Yes. Start us off with the best action RPG of the year. I wish I had a kazoo. Do you know that? That's that's the level we're operating at, a kazoo. Um, so for this, I have got Lords of the Fallen, which was my kind of surprise awesome hit of the year. I had not had this on my radar at all. And then bought it, stuck it in. I was like, oh, let's see what happens with this. I was interested in the mechanics of dual worlds and all this kind of interacting with the realm beyond stuff so I was kind of just I didn't know what to expect I thought it might be a bit focus home interactive a bit B tier and what you get is actually a fairly competent if a little scratty in places A A minus tier ooh that's oh, a yeah. that's that's a little um forgiving uh, no I think I think it's fair because I think it has several things. A, it has bosses, which you can fight, and enemies, which look cool. Can't B, argue there. It has all of the elements of a Souls-like that you would want, including identical stat screens and everything, so you know what you're, you're in for. But most importantly, it has co-op. And I was lucky enough to find myself able to play through this game with a good friend, oh, uh, which made... It it's, took the game from a B up to that A minus. You can't do you we you can't do that. You can't. Why can like, I not do that? Look, it would be a B, but because you were there, Dave, it's an A. Don't don't you try to manipulate <laughs> me like that. <laughs> Have you had any experience with Lords of the Fallen, Dave? <laughs> yeah, some 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 jerk I know was like, here, play with me, and then he hucked the game disc in my head. Um, <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah, when we played it together, it was fun because we were playing together. 
But playing it alone, I think, would have been kind of a miserable affair. Like, you're right. It has all of the elements of a Souls-like. But it also exacerbates all the small problems Souls games have into giant problems. Yeah. Um, some some of the key issues experienced would be getting lost all of the time. Bad Although level the of place, time. yeah, it looks like a Dark Souls level, but without those key tells that let you know you're on the right path from a Dark Souls level, instead you could end up running around in circles, not exactly knowing where to go. Um, so it kind of drops the ball there a wee bit. And another place it drops the ball is it overplays the moving into the other side, the other realm, it forces you to solve stupid platform puzzles by changing realms. And you would change a realm, pull a platform towards you, and then change back. And it, it was just a wee bit... Scratchy. on a wee bit too much. Yeah, yeah, scratchy it was. But otherwise, I I loved it. I, I, I looked at my wee timer, I think it was at like 70-odd hours, playing it between myself and Wii U. <laughs> Well, Craig, to be fair, I, I spent 10 hours playing Big Titty Anime Girls Kicks, and that doesn't, that's not good. <laughs> um, okay, okay. Like, 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 from a, from, like, a game design standpoint, um, the enemy variety is very small, and it's very bloated. Like, a lot of the problems seems to be numbers. Let's just leave it at that. Mm-hmm. Like, like, numbers, the HP is too high. Like yeah. you get bored fighting things before they're dead. That's, um, that's kind of true. Um, the only other thing that uh, neither of us brought up, but I think is a very good point in term, like when we were playing it, was uh, I read um, I forget who it was, so I'm sorry, but they said it felt like each spoke was designed by a different team. Yeah, and I'm like, you know what? That's a good way to put it. And if we yeah, talk. Does, uh, yeah. If we talk this long about everything, we're screwed. Yeah, we, we really are. Um, just to move things on, I, I assume you've got uh, lots of the following for yours, but I I can't think if you did any other ARPG. Nothing nothing based in China or anything like that. But oh, like, uh, what Diablo you 4. Ah, yes. I <laughs> know <laughs> uh, I have Wolong because it is, again, a, a Souls Light that is mm-hmm. designed specifically for Dave. It is Romance of the Three Kingdoms era. It is a really, really tight control done by the Neo guys. It is, it's phenomenal. Um, it has really cool systems in it that kind of feel like a step up from Sekiro. But I'm going to leave it at that because we might actually do that at some point. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I, I'd happily do it. All right. In the next category, we have the best JRPG of the year where we actually do have... Different answers, surprisingly. We do. <laughs> um, for me, it is Final Fantasy 16. I think putting it in the JRPG category is a bit of a stretch, but it is a role-playing game that came out of Japan, so on a technicality, yeah. I'm in. Um, I it, They have completely ditched the what makes Final Fantasy Final Fantasy in terms of mechanics. But what that's allowed them to do is to take the bombast and eye candy of the Final Fantasy series and just ratchet it right up. Yeah. And I don't know if that's necessarily a good trade, but it is a very fun trade. Um, I think I thought the story was great. Um, I think Clive is a pretty good protagonist. 
I really don't have much to complain about. The only complaint would be, eh, it doesn't really feel like a Final Fantasy game. But who cares? It says yeah. Final Fantasy on the box. That's all you need to know. I, I, yeah, I completely agree. Like, it has stripped out the JRPG-ness of it, but it feels pretty solid. And they've taken what used to be big turn-based Shiva's coming in for a big kill, and it gives you all of the power. So it turns you into this, like, super-powered superhero that can elegantly dance about enemies and kill everyone, almost like it was a character action game as opposed to a JRPG. So oh, yeah. I'm, I'm totally behind that. Um, just for a bonus question, <laughs> um, I, I like how you're trying to, you know, uh, just jam everything in there like a puzzle with no no sides to it you just uh-huh. jamming it in there um yep. you what was your favorite of the summons the like the power sets oh that's that's a good question i'm not t- i don't think i had a particular favorite i can't it's been that long since i played it like to to be clear when we created the list for this episode I forgot that this was the year we played Final Fantasy 16 yeah. among other things it's been it's been a, a pretty epic year I like the big earth based fiery boomy type attack things Ifrit Ifrit yes it was very good and I liked being Ifrit because being Ifrit you felt like a tank and it just felt good doing that that is a very long and weird way to say Shiva <laughs> but you know what uh, to each his own um, yeah yeah Shiva all the way babe. Um, yeah, I know I know you're a Shiva boy uh, so for you you actually uh-huh. played what would be considered a traditional JRPG I did I did I played Octopath Traveler 2 among among others Octopath Traveler 2 the first game was great looked beautiful um, a wee bit ropey to play and all this kind of stuff Octopath Traveler 2 was on my radar picked it up Stuck it in, and my god, it just takes everything that the first game did as kind of like a test in the waters here, and it turned it into a really beautiful game. The protagonists are all stereotypical JRPG protagonists. You've got a cleric who's questioning his own faith. You've got a witch that's being cast out and has to go revenge her dead sister. You know, you've got the knight the paladin knight that is wondering whether he is a man of God or whether he's going to go... You've got all of these stereotypes, but they're also wonderfully written. Uh, it's turn-based. It's I Is it isometric? No, because it's not an angle. It's top, top-ish, down. I don't, I don't know what you call no, that. But it's, yeah, it, it, it's, um, it's top-down. It's top-down, top but at a slight angle. Top-down, <laughs> but um, slight, yeah. Yeah, and it's got that beautiful voxely blood pixel effect where everything looks like it's sprite art but it's so damn beautiful the lighting it's got really lovely lighting and it's got you know the the layout of the screen is you've you've always got focus on the character in the middle everything's got a gentle blur and a haze about it and, and it's just it's a beautiful game to play and then when you get to the end of it the actual mechanics of you know combat are brilliant they're just they're just uh, it's solid jrpg turn-based fighting so i i just i I fell head over heels for that game honestly could could not put it down is it better than monkey island yes oh man we have a contender to the adventure game throne 
Um, I've never played an Octopath game. I have see, watched a lot of it because you're right. Like the graphics of it are phenomenal to just look mm-hmm. at. Um, but yeah, I don't know why I haven't done it. Probably be, uh, yeah. because I have nine billion games to play. But one day, in twenty years, I'll be like, "Hey, Craig, guess what I played?" It's tricky, and that that art style has been adopted by other games. You've got that live live alive or live alive or whatever mm, and yeah. things like that 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 follow the same format. So it's, I will pick that up and play it. So maybe we could maybe we could play one together one time. Oh my gosh, that would be great. Uh, kind of as great as our unanimous action adventure game of the year because we're not quite sure what that category actually means. Um, which is God of War Ragnarok? Yes, at the very beginning of this year. Um, I, wow. What do you what, what do you say about Ragnarok? The story was and, phenomenal. Yeah. Um, I think this is a really strong contender. For game of the year I can't pick many holes in it the holes I could nitpick in it would be like about exploration and the, maybe the pacing a little bit but all in all this has one of those few games where you're rushing through the game to get to the next story bit but you're also mm-hmm. really really enjoying the gameplay yeah I, I don't have a lot bad to say about it as well it's it's just beautiful storytelling. It's it feels like you're part of this story and you're on a journey, and you've got the old guard like Mimir constantly stuck to your side, being sarcastic. I'd love that head if I could have Mimir strapped to my weight belt every single day. I would I would go for it. I wouldn't be married. Um, I know, I know. Um, it takes again, like I said. What else did I say? Oh, like I said about Octopath, it takes what they did in the reboot of God of War of 2018 or whenever it was, and it just ramps everything up. You've got some extra RPG mechanics in terms of crafting and levelling up. You've got some extra combat mechanics. Artreus is completely not really competent as a wee dude, and he can also turn into a... Is that a spoiler? Is it? Is it... Are it was the beginning of the. Uh, no, yeah, you know what? Yeah, yeah. I'll say it so you don't get uh, beat up. Uh, you can turn into a wolf, and yep. it's really cool. Um, uh-huh. The intro- introduction of uh, new characters like Anger Boater. You, you're, mm-hmm. you genuinely like those characters. It's absolutely. And then you tack on a free DLC that they just released, and it really is a phenomenal amount of game for your buck. And yep. I know that's not the best rubric, but. Like you're you're smiling the whole time, even though Kratos is not, because he's just not. Um, so does this? Just dumb question, but are you mm-hmm. looking forward to more God of War games, or is this kind of like a you know what? That's a good that's a good end point. I I I thought about this quite greatly, and I tend to think that now that that like it's peak. God of War for what it's reset what God of War 3 did and it it gave me this is now what God of War is and I would be interested to see what the next iteration might be and it's not to say I would be disappointed if they brought out God of War Ragnarok 2 or something like that but I think they've shown that they can take something and, and make it much better than just a pure sequel so I, I would totally take I mean, either that or it would take like a God of War 2 remaster. One of the two. You know, I'm, I'm easy. I'm, I'm totally easy. Um, uh, 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I like. I would be surprised if this wasn't a trilogy, and it it didn't leave on like a number two, like a Mass Effect two. It didn't leave mm-hmm. on that, but I want another God of War, at least one more before yeah. I'm ready to put it away. All right, so what we have in the category for a shooter, and this is combining both third and first, and that would be Remnant for you. Oh, damn, I just told, I just changed it just there, just now. <laughs> Just it. You know I edited it, didn't you? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Damn it. Guild Wars 2 is what you put in uh, after no. that, which is a little weird. Uh, no, I had... Oh, did I put a G? Uh, so, Shooter, I had Rem- uh, Remnant because we played it together and it was a wonderful experience. And at the very last minute, I thought, do you know what? Of all the categories that we've got of genres, Alan Wake 2 kind of fits into a third-person action-adventure shooter survival horror. Ooh. Um, yeah, take it away then, because I got nothing on Alan Wake 2. Yeah, uh, so I picked up Alan Wake 2, which, with much, much excitement, a slight disappointment that you couldn't get it physically straight away, because this is a game that I would have had to steel book the poster, that anything they wanted to sell, a torch. If they wanted to sell a torch and charge me extra, I would have bought the tor- torch, you know. Um, so, bought it digitally, um, uh, courtesy of you, I believe. Yes. Merry uh, for an early Christmas present. And, fuck me, that game is <laughs> so good. It's, it just takes, it, it doesn't even take what the first game did. We've got a lot of sequels just now, I actually can't think of it, but it doesn't take what the first game did and just iterate on it. It is... It's a brand new experience. Storytelling-wise, it is it's phenomenal storytelling. Uh, you have got a survival horror element to it where you're running about with two shotgun shells and you're trying to wonder whether you're going to make, make sure you're going to hit the next person in the head or whether you're just going to die. You know, it's got that level of fear to it. It's got a cast that is just fantastic... Um, including Sam Lake, who's just amazing in it. He, repri- he doesn't reprise his role as Max Payne, but he does come back as a detective, and he is wonderful. His name uh, his... is Pax Maine. <laughs> He's got um, the, anyway. Alan Wake too. It just I'm not. I wouldn't spoil anything too much about it, but just in terms of the story it tells, the way it does it, and the way it uses music. Like, every chapter that you go to has a theme song. So you're, I sat, like me and Laura both sat playing this, and you sat and you finish a chapter, and it plays an entire song that they've, you know, like, roped in a band somewhere to, to perform, and it just... It's got its own soundtrack. It's got a feeling to it that's just something completely different from anything Remedy I've ever done before. Like, this is so far removed from Control and Alan Wake. I hate it you. Just. Oh. What? Because, okay, well, first off, I thought it was weird. It was like it was a weird direction that they chose to have the theme song be Black Betty at the end of every chapter. But, you know, that's fine. Um. <laughs> No, because like like I'm I I was done with the like remedy averse, right? Like it never really grabbed mm-hmm. me. Um Alan Wake is okay. 
control is okay. It was yeah. not really. But now you're like, oh, it's nothing like Alan Wake oh, and Control. No. And it's, oh. and the, the thing is, I loved, you know, I loved Control. Like, yes. Massively. Yes, art book, art book up in my cabinet in Plary's place and everything. Loved Control. This is not a Control. This is more like a Resident Evil you feeling. See, now like, I know you're telling her to me. No. <laughs> It's it's just completely different, and it just I I was happy and sad, and I I was blown away by it. Absolutely, rooting totally blown away by right. the game. You hear you heard it here first, folks. Uh, Alan Wake Two will give you massive mood swings that are a little <laughs> weird. Um, yeah, maybe later in the year we should do an Alan Wake Two slash Resident Evil Four. Um, oh yeah, yeah. Comparison that would be kind of fun. Uh, for me, I believe I've talked about this before, but not in terms of uh, game of the year. But that's Returnal. Um, I think Returnal is one of the best shooters I've ever played, hands down. Like third person shooter. Mm-hmm. Um, the the idea that I, I want to say Near kind of started with the hey, let's make it like a shmup. Yeah, um, is oh. taken to a ridiculous degree. The giant alien playing his organ that shoots bullets at you, phenomenal. I think yeah. everything about this game is great. It it also has a really cool layer where if you want to read into the story, there's some really cool stuff in there. And it's also mildly spooky at times, so a little bit of everything. Uh, I, think, I think Returnal is only hurt by its format. Uh, yeah. I wouldn't <laughs> change the format. Like if I had the power, I wouldn't change it. I think it 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 works beautifully for that game, but it doesn't um, seem like everybody like Craig no. didn't get on with it. Yeah, like I I loved the game. I, I I would if I had played it this year, I would be speaking about it just now with you because to sit down and play a level and beat a boss or whatever and go through it is just epic. It's such a good experience. It's, it, it's just a sight to behold. It's beautiful. All these glowing balls and orbs and waves coming at you and everything to juggle while you're trying to figure out what, what weapon you can pick up on this run and all this, all the roguelike stuff. Like, I love all that. The thing that killed it for me is because I would do the first boss and then the second boss and then the third boss and I'm sitting playing it for hours and the fourth boss and then I would die and you have to go back to the start. And I know it's it's a thing that we are not going to revive that conversation here. No. But I would have just loved if they just did chapters, you know, like or I, even I, if it was just a linear souls like. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Oh, I, I can see, I can see the arguments, but the only thing I have in defense, other than oh, I like it that way, is it works well for the story. It integrates with the story really well. Yeah. Like, that's oh, all I got. Um, all right. But since that's an old game and we're well, old people... You know, what? Can I tempt you with an idea? Yeah. What if it was much more difficult, but with chapters? So now, you still die a lot? I think the difficulty is perfect. Okay. Like, like I, I would... I mean, I'm not that much of a masochist. Where it's <laughs> like, oh, if you die once, it should delete your save file. No, no, not that, not that bad. Um, now, speaking of not that bad... Mm-hmm. Company of Heroes 3 is the only real-time strategy game I've played this year that I would call a real-time strategy game. And the only reason it is here is because 
it's not so bad. It's all right. It's not the best, which kind of shouldn't be on this list, but, you know, it wins by default. All the other contestants didn't show up. Oh. Oh, but maybe we should just cut it. No, 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 because, well, I mean, did you want to talk about Desperados? I could do, but at the same time... We're going to do an episode on it, too. Yeah, like that made it, you made that sound a bit flat, like a bit like, uh eh. It is a bit flat. Like I didn't play any really standout. Yeah. Well, so you know what? Let's leave this all in. Okay. And we're moving on to the next category, <laughs> <laughs> which is one I do have strong, strong, strong feelings on. And that okay. is the best turn based strategy game. Now, as science has come to reveal, Age of Wonders 4 was indeed the best strategy game this year. Um, It smacked the hell out of humankind. It smacked the hell out of everything that came out this year. I I absolutely fell in love with Age of Wonders. Uh, It is one of those, I platinumed it in less than a week. And for a strategy game, that's a rarity. Um, This has everything that made me fall in love with Stellaris. And Stellaris would have won this category, but Age of Wonders is fantasy, and I am a giant sucker for fantasy, and space is for dorks. So, Age of Wonders 4 is phenomenal. It also, it also twigs that Civ feeling a little bit more of like the, okay, well, uh, two more turns, and I'll be good. Mm-hmm. And then it's four in the morning. So, Age of Wonders 4 is is phenomenal. What, uh, what paltry thing do you have? So just to preface, like I played a bit of Stellaris this year and couldn't get into it. I uh, I bought Civ on the Switch with the full intention of learning how to play that game at last and couldn't get into it. I'm not much of a strategy person at a larger strategic scale, but my I would like to present a case that... Well, didn't he pick one of them? Nah. So both Wasteland 2 and <laughs> and Pillars of Eternity 2 are turn-based strategy games in that you have to have a strategy for each combat <laughs> engagement. And although Fair. there isn't an umbrella strategy, there is a strategy to how you kill people. Especially on more difficult difficulties like Wasteland 2, played through on very, very, very difficult and you have to be strategic. If I say strategy enough, does it work? You no, have to be no. Strategic. I don't. I don't think you need to defend either. <laughs> okay, the the only, the only like, uh, like sticking point would be Pillars of Eternity Two can be turn based or real time. Yeah, that's okay, like that's the only sticky bit. But yeah. like, like for Wasteland, yeah, no, it's yeah. it's one hundred percent strategy. Yeah, I thought I thought I'd throw them in a little bit. Like, to, in all honesty, Wasteland Two is a game that I fell head over heels. I played it on the PlayStation. First thinking, I'll give it a, I'll give it a bash. I've got it. I then bought it for PC and played it constantly, at times, and just could not put it down. I, it's the the right where Dave says he's like fantasy. So you know, Age of Wonders beats blah Stellaris and all this kind of stuff. I am like a Fallout boy. So Wasteland is just perfect. Um, Wait. And, Where does well, your accent go when you sing then? Because I'm not going to lie, out of all their songs, I've never heard a Scottish accent. I just got that. And I'm, 
So yeah, um, Wasteland Two is it has to be on this list, and I just think it's perfect, and I look forward to the new year. Oh no, hang on. Did we need to do this in the past? No, no, no. no this is oh, this is the present. Time. I know. I know. Sometimes we record things out of sync, but in this occasion, I can say Dave and I are now playing through Wasteland Three and having a rollicking good time. So yeah, Wasteland. Woo. Um, I I think Wasteland is one of the better CRPGs to come out in the last ten years, like hundred percent. Um, the setting doesn't do what it does for me, what it does for you, mm-hmm. but that it is some proper good strategy involved yeah. and you get to have mechanical chickens so who am i <sighs> to complain yeah um, i think you said something last night actually that, that struck home a wee bit harder than what it might have should have and it was on the the problem with guns oh and, yeah and a in, in a game like this, and I totally not only get that, like, you're so much more limited, and you, you don't have a, a wizard casting spells from afar while you've got a druid turning into a bear, and blah, blah, but I, I get that, but I think Wasteland does a good enough job to try and bring everything like that in, so you've got your, you've got your summons, you've got chickens, you can eventually become a cyborg and get cyborg powers like it's got other things. I sound like I'm defending it, don't yeah, I? Yeah, no, no, this is a, like like <laughs> um I think I think Wasteland does a better job in offering play variety than something like Fallout does. Mm-hmm. Like Fallout, it it is it, kind of the same no matter what you do. Um, yeah. Walt, with the ability to be in melee, to be middle range, to be long, like like they are at least trying to accommodate for everybody's yeah. taste. I mean, yeah, you won't do it as well as something like Divinity, but that's fine. Not everything has to be Divinity. Yeah, I think one of the most difficult challenges in a game with guns in it is to create a character that doesn't have guns. Like to have fist weapons in a game with guns they do it really well. You don't question the fact that someone's got two, you know, tin cans with nails through it strapped to their fists to punch, but you just don't question it. It's not oh, a thing, and I think that's unfair. Ha- <laughs> um, alright. So, now that you have successfully defended in court Wasteland Thank 2, you. Um, Thank you. let's talk about horror. Mm. Um, mine, uh, kind of like how Craig's was a split one, I'm like, well, if he's gonna do it, I'm gonna do it. Yeah. Um, Okay, so mine is Darkwood slash A Plague Tale Requiem. Now, um, first let's do Plague Tale because we did we did an episode on it. Yeah, yeah. Um, everything you want to know about A Plague Tale, we did an episode on it. The only new bit of info that you'll need is that now for some reason I have rats as pets. <laughs> and I'm not sure if that was Plague Tale influenced or not, but I like my little girls. So thank you to Plague Tale. Um, that game was phenomenal. I I really hope there's not a third. Like unlike God of War, they need to let this stop here. Yeah. Um, as for Darkwood, Darkwood is one of the most interesting horror games that I've played in a very long time. Now, granted, I haven't played Pathologic yet, and everybody keeps yelling at people to play Pathologic. But uh, Darkwood is a really, really interesting top-down horror game. And top-down horror is very hard to do. Um, 
And there's little bits of a lot of things in there. There's a little bit of survival. There's a little bit of uh, combat. There's a lot of bit of horror. It's really cool. Um, like Craig, Darkwood's world reminds me if Mutant Year Zero was trying to be horror. Okay. Like it has that post-apocalyptic, oh. uh, post-apocalyptic, but way in the future feel to it. Oh, that sounds. I love post-apocalyptic. Po- post apoplectic Yeah. <laughs> Whereas you, on the other hand, mm-hmm. are a nerd, and you picked <gasps> Alan Wake too. I know, I know. Like uh, aforementioned, Alan Wake Two, it does tick the box for survival horror. It's got to, just to not talk about and I spoke about it before. You have got very limited ammunition. You have got a limited inventory that is a grid-based inventory that you need to constantly be figuring out what to do. You have safe rooms that you need to get to, and then each safe room is a box where you can store stuff and take stuff out, and you very much have to carefully get from safe room to safe room while dealing with external factors. It sounds a lot like another game series. Can't put my it does, finger on it, though. I don't know. No, I can't. <laughs> um. Yeah, yeah. Like, like I'm curious if only to play, uh, play Ellen Wake two from the horror guy angle. <laughs> like, I'm, I am curious because Alan Wake, nothing Remedy's done has been what I would consider horror yeah. until this well, point. So, do you know what we could do? Like, in all honesty, we do paired months, don't we? We could yeah. just go. You play. Alan Wake 2 from a Resident Evil guy point of view, and I'll play Resident Evil 4 from a Alan Wake point of view. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but what, what? how will you deal with all the shame when you come back and go, oh, I was wrong. Oh, I was so wrong. Resident Evil 4 is amazing. Like, will, will you be okay to have all that egg on your face? I wouldn't have egg. I don't like egg. Okay, what about tossed salad and scrambled eggs? <sighs> So we're going to do a Frasier binge oh for my one God. month. <laughs> <laughs> but not the new embarrassing show. The old oh one. Oh, God, no. Not yeah, the old one, for sure. Um, okay, so our our next category was Best Character Action, but both of us have put down, right? Yeah. Final Fantasy XVI. Um, I think some hero on the internet put it best when they called this game Devil May Clive. Devil May Clive. <laughs> Is amazing. <laughs> it is entirely true about the game. Yeah, like like we said, you get all these powers, but you can chain combos and hover in the air as one character, and then activate a power, and you're you're all over the shop, and it's beautiful to watch. It's actually an absolute pleasure. That it's it's just it's it's brilliant. Oh, and don't forget the guy with the deepest voice known to man. Does a great job in it. He's one of the best Sids ever. Yeah. Oh, my name's Sid. Oh no, right. you've turned into the you've turned you turned into the blooming men in black guy. Sugar. Sugar war. <laughs> <laughs> um alright, next up is a Craig category, and that is best adventure game. I played oh, no. exactly one this year, and it so happened to be chapter one of Sherlock. So there we go. We also did an episode on that. So if you want to hear what we said about it, knock yourself out. Ah, we did. Uh, another game we did an episode on <laughs> was Disco Elysium. Uh, I picked it up again 
for the PS5 with the Disco Elysium Disco Edition type thing, the, you know, the final cut chapter, the final cut, whatever it was. And realised... Yep, that's it. Uh, realised very quickly that we approached it wrong and the first time we played it, and it, well, I, sorry, Dave, not to, not to put words in your mouth, but I approached this wrong. And where sometimes you play an adventure game to get from one the start to the finish and find out who the murderer was and stuff like that. Sometimes you forget that in a role-playing game you've got you can choose a role. So I played through it this time choosing to be a specific type of detective, which was the entire point of the game that was just missed the first time I played it. I tried to Sherlock Holmes it and think, this is an adventure game, I'm going to Sherlock Holmes it as a murder mystery. What a fucking donut. So, played it again, and it just, something unlocked, and it's fucking stunning. <laughs> it's such a good game, and all all of this guilt afterwards, when I finished all this guilt of... Oh, oh we had a lot what? of messages back and forth to oh, each other. yeah. What, what? I've, I was like, did I go and delete that episode from the internet? You know, no. You don't do that. You stand by your mistakes. It's it's very, very, very good. It's a very good adventure game. Now, all that being said, and I do apologize for uh, wanting a different game than that game was offering. Um, I still don't ever want to replay it. Yeah, yeah. I stand by most of mine other than the obvious, no, you, you dipshit, you were playing it wrong. You know, so um, Craig, you can put him in the pillory, but um, me, I'm standing by mine, going down with this ship, dying okay. on that hill. Um, all right, so and now we're going to get into some of the more esoteric categories because we avoided one very specifically, and we're going to talk a lot about it, I'm sure. Mm -hmm. um, but for now, uh, we have our proudest Platinum of the Year award because both Craig and I are kind of amateur trophy hunters. Uh-huh. Uh, mine is uh, Platinum Stellaris, and it is one of the few games that I've ever platinumed where I still don't feel like I have done everything I want to do in it. Wow. So Craig said he's going to platinum it, and we'll, no. we'll see how, how we feel. No. The, it's so for, of all the games and all of the towns and all of the cities and all of the worlds... Stellaris is a game I wish I could get into so much. Like, I really wish I would... I, I would love it. I know I would love it if I could just get over the interface and the complexity and the fact that you have to think. Like, I think if I could get over all of that, I would love it. And it's frustrating to see you enjoy something that I know That's I would enjoy. That's meant for you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm like, damn you. Uh, <laughs> Sorry, uh, my my uh, proudest platinum side of things is a simple one. I'm a simple man. It's Mass Effect Two. So replayed the Mass Effects, and one and three are very good games. Two is a very good game as well. But I was going trophy hunting specifically because I'd never challenged myself to play through the games on fucking epic difficulty or something. Turns out they're not the most difficult games in the world, even on the no. most difficult. Um, even on the most difficult settings. But I was actually proud because 
I don't go after difficulty, unlike some nutter I do a podcast with. If I can sit back on a story mode or a normal even and just enjoy a story while abusing mechanics and getting good guns, I'll do it. I, I love it. That's what I play games for. And this was one of the ones where I thought, no, I'm going to be a big boy. I'm going to put on my big boy pants because I love this game and I'm going to play it on hard or epic or whatever the fuck, whatever it is. I think it was Legend, I I think it's called in Mass Effect. So it's not so much, it wasn't the challenge of getting that trophy, it was the decision to do that that I was proud of. No, you know, I mean, hey, this is a safe space, Craig, we don't Mm -hmm. judge here unless you make stupid picks like Alan Wake 2. So yeah, no, no, congratulations. Like, um, I had a lot of fun platinuming Mass Effect 2. I mean... I think I think we come to slightly different ends on which our favorite Mass Effects are. Yeah, uh, well, in the count of three, say what your favorite one is, okay? Okay. One, one, two, two three, three. Starfield. One. Oh. 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 No, it's two. What are you, what are you nuts? Two is is by far the best game. You get Thane. You get Morden. You also get Garrus. You get you get so much. One is by far the worst game in the series. And that's oh, including no. Andromeda. Oh, no. You take that back, you dirty <laughs> cunt. <laughs> Absolutely. No, t- no. I... I it, everything about that game is proof of design. It is so clunky. The story is so boilerplate. It, it's not... Okay, no, Let's nope. move on. Yep. Mm-hmm. So much like my and Craig's difference of opinion, that was a surprise. Um, we have our first, our surprise pick for the year, um, based on the work they've done on Monster Hunter Stories One and Two. I decided, hey, you know, I don't actually know that much about Cyber Connect Two. I'm, I'm gonna, you know, play a game, and so I looked up a list of their uh, games, and just on a pure luck. Fuga Melodies of Steel was on sale at the time, and I'm like, you know what? I really like anthropomorphic animals, and this is like World War II with anthropomorphic animals. This is great. Um, And I was very surprised by how much I enjoyed the game. The story is surprisingly pretty good, because you can murder kids. But the gameplay is simple, but kind of refined. Like, like I had a lot of fun with uh, changing pilots, changing gunners. Like, it was, it was. Well, I guess it was a surprise hit. Duh. Mm. <laughs> and for you, Gregory. Yes, <clears throat> my surprise hit was Thymesia, a very, um, at the time, a very questionable pick of a Souls-like. That I thought I like the look of that. I'm going to play it, and I might make Dave play it too. And then um, we did an episode on it. We did an episode on it. It was a surprise hit because I thought it was going to be average, and it turned out to be probably one of the best Souls likes, if that makes sense. Like, of all of them, it's probably one of the more competent. Yeah, I think it better. stands up there with Neo in yeah. terms of not from soft, but good. Yeah, yeah, it, it absolutely spectacular. So listen to the episode if you want to. Um, 
You could also listen to our favorite soundtrack picks of the year. Now, Stellaris is a cool strategy game where space... Okay, so you, if if you're unaware of what the Stellaris soundtrack sounds like, if you were to uh, play Mass Effect 2, and then you go to that center console and you open up the galactic map, and you get to hear that really cool synth oh, yeah. wave, the Stellaris soundtrack is full of that. Like, I don't know how people that compose music are like, I'm going to make sure this piece makes you think of space, but they do it. And it just fits perfectly. Yeah. Um, This is a soundtrack I've listened to multiple times throughout the year to just like, like when I'm working on podcast spreadsheets or doing like character builds in a game, it's just like, oop, put on the Stellaris. It's very cool synthwave if you like synthwave. Oh, that sounds good. Like it does. It, everything about that game says, Craig, you should play this, and you should just just get on with it. <sighs> maybe one day. Maybe one day. Um, I, for best soundtrack, I appreciate it. I appreciate a good soundtrack, but I love it when music is sewn into a game. And fuck for the third time, that is the case in Halloween Three. Uh, oh, Alan Wake three. Oh God, no, Alan Wake two. Jeez, did we get an advanced copy, Craig? <laughs> that's the that is the case with Alan Wake two. Um, not only does he, like the there's a full soundtrack. There's a soundtrack by the the Finnish boy, you know, the rock gods, the gods of uh, old gods of Asgard. Old gods of Asgard. They've also pulled in talent from other places, and you got you get like a good. 24 to 30 track soundtrack that tells the story of roughly you know what might be going through the minds of that particular bit in Alan Wake when you you know you, you have a cut to a new chapter and stuff or and you've got the music not only all of that but it's got the remedy thing where there's a music level you know, and controlled. You've got the sig- the ashtray mages take control, and you you run about to this awesome rock track, shooting things. And the first Alan Wake, you're at a bandstand, and it's a zombie hold mode bandstand thing. Well, I, I think I think I'll agree. Like their music set pieces are unassailable. Uh-huh. They are very yeah. good. Well, the, the Alan Wake two incorporates, and I'm not going to give away anything about it but it just it, it's not like those two examples that they've done before are, are, are a level with music or it's it's a great musical moment where you're doing something in Alan Wake 2 it's completely embedded in that chapter that you are taking part in it's not it's not music overlaid on a different mechanic it is so sewn in well that it I just I, I got to the end of it and then left the game and replayed chapter and went through it again, smiling and f- just mind blown. Which is weird too because you've heard Black Betty how many times before that <sighs> set piece? Oh, I, <laughs> I don't know why Black Betty started. I, don't know. <laughs> um, I think I think using a licensed track is a skill that isn't as appreciated as it should be. Right, mm-hmm. because you can really just turn what was a fun moment into a stupid maudlin mess, like oh, I don't know, pyre. 
Yeah, yeah. Or you can it, it can make a moment transcend. Like um, was it Red Dead Redemption? Did it? Oh yeah. With the, Cross, like, like like um, it, Jose Gonzalez. Yeah, like it is. It is a very underused skill. And yeah. right now, uh, Wasteland Three. There's one or two moments where a song kicks in, and you're like, oh, 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 yeah, I like this. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I'm 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 very happy whenever game developers make it work. Yeah. Um. So uh, I'm gonna take a quick moment here to take a break from our list and to say, Craig, we yes. did have the category of most disappointment. Oh yeah. In here now, we both would have put Deliver Us Mars had we played it, but we didn't. So yeah. I, I, I was having a good, good long think of like, okay, what would be my because to be disappointed, you need to have expectations, and I had none for Deliver Us Mars, to be honest. Uh-huh. And this year was full of a lot of duds, like just, just oh, that was that. Like my brain was like, oh, what about Callista Protocol? And I'm not disappointed in it, but it really did no blip on the radar. Yeah. Um, same with like Marvel's Midnight Suns. It was just like, eh, okay. Um, so do you actually have any disappointments that aren't uh, Deliver Us Mars? Hey, yeah, I do. I, I've probably got a few, but off the t- as soon as you say disappointment, apart from Deliver Us Mars, which will be the benchmark of disappointment. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Total and utter car crash, which we've done an episode on. You should listen to it. Um, it is, uh, Moons of Madness is, was really? actually... Yeah, yeah. So Moons of Madness is a first-person adventure game set on Mars with a very tentacly cosmic horror Cthulhu theme running through it right from the very start that game hooks you you're in a dream on a space station and there are tentacles and you're being driven forward by an unknown force and you're very it's very very gripping at that start and but then what the game actually devolves into is walking very slowly between different areas pulling out power cells to power up doors. Whoa, to, whoa, whoa. Don't scare the audience, Craig. Jeez. <laughs> to then pull out another power cell to power up a lift, to realise that you needed that power cell to power up another. But I, I turned that game off and I'm really fucking gutted about it because it's space. It looks great. It's got a good soundtrack. It's got a good hook. It seems to have a good story. It's three people researching on Mars that are all having interconnected Nightmares, like it's got a how, good name too. To be yeah, fair. Moons of Madness. It's got great cover art. A spaceman floating with some tentacles coming. Out. Like everything about it is like, oh my god, this is amazing. I, I like a bit. I'm not as much of a Cthulhu man as Dave, but I like a bit of cosmic horror. I like me a bit of Cthulhu. Uh, I like me a <laughs> bit of tentacles. Um, but it just seemed to take what I love, space and put up, much like Sinking City took what I love, adventure gaming Sherlock Holmes, and added, ten, that's that's the gate, that was my entry point into, well, this Cthulhu stuff is actually pretty interesting, and I like a wee bit of horror here. <laughs> um, it took that and applied it to space, and I thought, oh, wow, and then it just kicked me in the nuts. I think at some point, I, I think I was halfway down a really slow moving lift and I was like 
I can't, be, I can't do this. I cannot be fucked with this. I've not looked up how the story unfolds because I thought at some point I might want to just try what again. What about on YouTube? Watch. Like, like just treat it like a movie. I, I mean, it it would be really slow. You'd have to watch it like one and a half to two speed. It's, it's, oh, it's that, that it's, ponderous? It's diabolically. It's like... <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's like you are creeping... And then your run button brings you up to a slow funeral march. Oh, so it's gone home, or everybody's <laughs> yeah, gone to the rapture. It's, it's very slow, and I'm very disappointed. Sorry, I've spoken for far longer no, than no, I should have done that, but it was very disappointing. If it helps any, you helped me help you. Oh? Because you reminded me, I played Call of Cthulhu this year, and Don't let me tell you what. That was a better adventure game. Oh, thank God. Yeah, Call of Cthulhu is fucking cracking. Call of Cthulhu? Ha! <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, It's cracking? Oh, for God's sake. Okay, all right. Just wanted to point that out there and move on. That's good. Totally didn't mean that. All right, next up, we have our indie game of the year. Now, a slight disclaimer. As the line between indie and dev team becomes more and more and more blurred. Yeah. Indie is becoming more of just a game from a very small team. And I'm fine with that. Mm-hmm. No big deal. It's just like, I don't know if these are actually indie or if they were funded by um, a bigger studio. I, I don't know. Yeah. And it's not really worth putting that much time into. No. I I still like to think like I can't even like the what do you call the Ubisoft sub publishing oh, of indie no no that's yeah. the engine no you, you know like there's one of those yeah originals the, or, or originals yeah that kind of thing there's a Ubisoft one there's obviously uh, Devolver Digital are now almost a massive publisher in their own right but they are punting out some good games like I just think realistically small team not main public I don't I don't know it's not worth putting too much thought into it like you say because at the end of the day meh we're not not talking about Assassin's Creed here oh oh hold on give me give me a minute yeah um no and mine is does involve assassins to some extent and that is other side Mm. um other side with a C not an S I think the art style in this game is phenomenal you can tell that it is a double A game it's it's it doesn't have the glitz of a triple A but it has a very cool story with a really cool system. Um, think Darkest Dungeon, but turn grid-based combat. Uh, that's all I'm going to say because we will be doing an episode on this later. I, I, it, it struck me that hard of like, oh, ooh, I okay. want to talk about this at length. So, yeah. We'll talk about it on the other side. All right. Well, this has been a fun <laughs> evening. <laughs> Um, and day of the year for me I've got Narco this was a game played on Dave's behest because almost on my behalf <laughs> on, on your behalf yeah on your behest and your behalf and everything because it's one of those games where you basically said I do not want to play this at all but I really want to hear about it <laughs> yeah pretty much it's the hey you walk through that radiation cloud for me and let me know what's on the other side please yeah um what was on the other side uh-huh i get what you did there uh was 
probably one of the best original storied point and click adventure games I have played in about 39 years um, it's phenomenally good storytelling wrapped in a format of point and click which I love and includes an element of post-apocalyptic cyberpunk which I love and an element of horror which I love and brings it all into one package which really succinctly tells a story which at points like this is a fucking point and click adventure and I am like heartbroken at points and really 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 soaked into this place it is just it's phenomenal like Monkey Island and all of that it's fun great point and click adventure connect this to this and stick a banana on the end of a stick to you do whatever but this it was just something something that I've not felt before about a point and click adventure that I just thought wow that's just it blew my mind a hundred percent first off you're welcome thank Second you off, thank you Dave um, I, I think it also does a little bit of props for being a realistic depiction of what Louisiana is like in the current mm-hmm. day um, place is not good don't live there no and I can say that because I'm American. You can't say that though. So, <laughs> yeah. um, so we next up we have our Focus Interactive Game of the Year award. Yeah. Now this can be taken one of two ways. This could be an actual Focus Interactive <laughs> Game of the Year award, or yeah. it could be the you know what this is a game that has a lot of flaws but some really cool ideas, and ultimately it comes out in the wash in execution. It's not great. But, oh, hey, cool ideas. Uh, for me, that is the very definition that I used. And that is Lords of the Fallen. It yeah. has a lot of problems and it has a lot of cool ideas. And they all kind of mesh into, eh, it's a Focus Home Interactive game. Yeah. Like you hit the nail on the head. I love how we're definite. Like, of all the things we do in this podcast, I want that to stick as a thing. Oh, it's a bit of a focus, oh, a focus game. <laughs> yeah, like it really should be a thing. We should make that a thing. Um, for me, I took it mostly literally because I have played some Focus Home interactive games of the the other variety, but I really wanted to add a Playtale Requiem in here because it deserves a shout from my point of view as being a f- a phenomenal Focus Home Interactive Yeah, it's actually a really good Focus Home Interactive It's really good. It doesn't exhibit any of the flaws that other Focus Home Interactive games may um, suffer from. But it just, it's just, it's a cracking wee game. And now that I come to think about it, we cut stealth out of... We did. And this could have fit in there. Um, I will say one thing. Uh, they relied... Not relied. Uh, what was we did an episode on it. You don't need to go into it, but it, oh, it you did. you didn't like the um the alternate mechanics. Yeah, I too didn't. Much. I, did, yeah. I didn't like. I th- I thought it went a wee bit too. Ooh. Fantasy. <laughs> yeah, just just a touch. But other than that, yeah, yeah, I mean that realistic game about waves of rats attacking people really really needed a touch I, of fantasy i will have you know i demand realism <laughs> in everything i play um yeah yeah i i like we this has perfectly worked out to be both definitions of mm-hmm. the term all right so we're getting ready to wrap up 
and yep. have the big conversation. I'm sure everybody knows is coming. And but first, um, as I get older, I have noticed I'm becoming more and more of a softy. And I don't know if it's just because I'm going to die soon or if it's just, you know, media now is hitting harder than it did when I was a 24-year-old, right? Um, But I find more and more games are touching my heart. Like, they just make me sit there and smile with maybe a single tear that drips down my cheek and then Kelsey sucks it up with a straw. It's a really weird relationship thing we have. Um... But for me this year, the game that touched my heart the most was the Eternal Cylinder. I can't put into words how warm this game made me feel inside. Um, it's a game like uh, no other that I've played. It's from the Ace Team, which are the guys that do like uh, Rock of Ages. So it's weird. And it was delightful. If you know, you know. If you don't then maybe check it out, because Eternal Cylinder is a fantastic game. Craig? Uh, uh, yeah, um, do, I need to, do I need to agree with you? Uh, no, because you're a terrible, hard-hearted, crusty barnacle of a man. Yeah, I, I started the Eternal Cylinder and gave up on <laughs> <gave up> <laughs> <laughs> uh, There's just nothing, nothing wrong with it. It's a, it's a cute game and stuff. I, I think uh, I'm maybe not in the right frame of mind or something for it. Um, so we'll just leave it that and crack on. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, game that touched my heart the most was not from a warm and fuzzy point of view. Uh, it was Cloudpunk, an indie, weirdly pixelated uh, taxi service uh, cyberpunk game that you have a car and you drive about taking people from place to place, learning their stories and maybe learning a few things about your way about you on the way, or something like that. Whatever whatever you could say that as. That game broke me into a crying lump of a human at points. It is, to look at it, you think, that's kind of, it's kind of pretty. You're a pixelated taxi driving about the place. To play it, you feel like at any point you could say, oh yeah, this is just drive there, pick that person up and drive them to the next place. But the the engagement you have with your taxi driving company operator or with the people that you pick up and drop off and the things that happen around that just fucking broke me in half it's <laughs> it's such a good it's such a good game it's such a good story to tell it's not even one cohesive story per se. It's not like you start at point A and you start at point B. You grow along the way and stuff like that, but it's not like that. It's You get snippets of information here and there that eventually could tie into something or something else. It's just, it's, it's worth a play, to be honest. Of the, like, it's just brilliant. Um, yeah. yeah, it's on my wish list now because of uh, what you've said to me you know, off-air. Because off-air, we're actually super eloquent uh-huh. And we have these very long intellectual conversations. Of course. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Indubitably. We decided. Oh, uh, indu- indu- <laughs> oh God. Um, on, I, <laughs> God, I think I started you. to die during that. Um, yeah, whereas on the podcast, we prefer to be very incohate. Mm-hmm. Um, use that code for 5% off on your next grocery bill. All right, we're going to get into the big conversation now. Yeah. The big conversation is... Not yet, 
Um, <laughs> it's a roller coaster. Um, hopefully you fell off the edge of your seat there. Um, okay, so we did decide to split up the best game of the year into two categories. Pretty much equaling the one we loved the most this year and the one that we think is objectively the best game we've played this year. Um, as much as one can be objective, you know? Um, so, for our best games of the year, Craig, what do you have? Um, do you want them both, just side by side? Or do no, you want... no, well, well, no, well, yeah, well, no, no, actually, because then that the objectively one will lead into the big conversation. All right, okay, fine. Um, so the best of the year, the, my best of the year is clearly Alan Wake 2 for everything I have said before. It just knocked everything, it just knocked everything out of the park. And I like Milo Viglione. Is it Viglione? I think it is. Yeah, I think so, yeah. Um, I like him quite a bit, so... I, as much as I joked around, um, yeah, I'm I'm gonna end up playing Alan Wake two for sure. Um, it's just a matter of time. Much like Craig, when it comes to my pick of the year, mm-hmm. um, my pick of the year, and I have the stats to prove this because oh boy, <laughs> did I plow more hours into this than any other game this year is Pathfinder: Wrath of the Righteous. I cannot put into any succinct amount of words how good this game is. I th- I think, for me, this game is better than the big one this year. I think it's, it's more satisfying mechanically. It's more satisfying uh, from a narrative sense. It is not more satisfying from a competent game design sense. Um, Pathfinder Wrath of the Righteous, if you've never played it, runs into the path all Alcat games have this problem. They are designed by a team of Bethesda, I think, that changed their name uh-huh. and then leave all the bugs behind and never fix them. <laughs> um, it, it is it is a bit of a wonky, janky mess. But what's there is so good. I, I absolutely loved it. Now, Craig, um, there is a game that is in multiple categories Yes, that arguably shines more so than Alan Wake 2. Yep. And that is Baldur's Gate 3. As I consider myself lucky to be alive the year this came out. Yeah, yeah. Objectively, as the title says, this is by far the game of the year, both in terms of it came out this year for one, which some of these games didn't, uh, but also it just knocked everything out of the park. Start to finish. I remember uh, before I got it, reading reviews of it and people gushing about it and going oh well it can't be this good it it i my jaw was dropped on a lot of cases like it is f- <laughs> phenomenal like 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 i i have no other words for it yeah there even on small things like first off the voice acting is is out of this world it is crazy good then there's the whole huh I wonder if I can do this. And not only do they say yes, they go, and here's a little story bit to go with it for your troubles. Like, mm-hmm. there is so much interconnectedness in this yeah. game. Then you tack on top of it an arguably simple but very well implemented combat system. Yeah. 
And it, it is a, well, it's a cracker of a game. Like, uh-huh. I don't know if this is going to be outdone anytime soon. And Larian, for me, they, they have earned a at least free pass on the next three games they make. Oh, easily. Like the, well, so, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm buying it. Yeah. Um, Craig, yes. you're not a fantasy guy. No. And yet. Yeah, yet. Um, it's, there's something about this game. It's, it, it happened as well with Divinity 2, and it's happened a couple of times before where I'm not particularly high fantasy, if that's what it is, like yeah. elves and all that kind of stuff. But the characters are so compellingly written. The freedom is there to do anything. Like, it is, it is an experience unlike no other with playing with games. You're not on a linear path. You can do anything at any point. And it just has that hook that makes you think, wow, I'd completely forgotten all about the fact that traditionally I don't like fantasy stuff because I am in love with this game. It just... Oh, even when we played through it together, and yeah. it it was just a blisteringly good experience. We also we, played through it separately. It wasn't yeah, a yeah, one and done. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Yeah. It 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 was very. It, it, I don't. It's, it's not, hard to find the words <laughs> to go like what this game deserves. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Now, yes. <laughs> now that being said, it's not like this is a perfect game. This is not a perfect game. There are small complaints you can have. But Carlac better not be one of them, or I'm going to be very sad. Um, no, like, like there are problems with the game, but a full-fledged, fully realized game that is also a licensed game like this comes along so incredibly rarely. Mm-hmm. Um, even if you don't like fantasy, I... I would say you, you really need to try it. It lives up to the hype. Yeah. It's actually, it's probably, it's turned me on to being more open when it comes to that level of fantasy. Like, I like to Dragon Age and stuff like that, but I, I like abusive mechanics and generally playing a game. Like, gaming a game is more of a turn-on to me. But I'm now thinking, you know, that I've probably missed out in a few games and a few bits and bobs here and there that I should go back and revisit. Because... My God, uh, it just did it so well. Like, and I, I'm not expecting the same level of gameplay. I'm not expecting perfect, but it's it's opened my eyes to uh, so many other things. Just um, so many I, other I, things. I don't know about you, Craig, but I have heard from multiple people, and I guess this works perfectly for that design. It, it has caused a lot of people to give a second thought to D and D. Like, oh wait, maybe it is fun. Like, and I'm not a big D&D guy. Other, I'm a, well, I am, but not playing the game. I don't ever want to play D&D again with anybody. But the worlds that it inhabits and its its uh, systems, I really enjoy. But yeah, like, it's I'm not going to go as far as saying, oh, it's like playing D&D at home. No, it, it's, it's not. But it's pretty damn close to the best you're going to get. Until we get interactive AI as companions... Like, I want to sit there and have a four-hour conversation with Carlac. I don't know about you, but, you know, um, it, it is that good. Mm-hmm. So, so we it's... stop spooging at the mouth. Um, Yeah, roll on Divinity 3 and whatever else.
I I would be very disappointed if there wasn't an expansion. Like I I really want an expansion. Yeah, um, I did. I, I enjoyed the was it the video game awards where they all rocked up. One guy was in a suit of armor and stuff like that. And they were just, <laughs> the biggest but, dorks in the game yeah, industry, <laughs> and so fucking humble. Like this was a Kickstarter game that Microsoft turned down for Game Pass because they thought, nah, we're not paying. I think it was something not, like not, two, not a Kickstarter game, a Stadia game. Oh no, it was originally a Stadia game, but it was offered to Microsoft for Game Pass for two million. Yeah, and they turned it down. <laughs> it's like, wow! And these guys just—you can tell the love that they have for D and D. Oh yeah. And the love that they have for giving that experience to people sitting at home with a controller in their hands. Like, I'm I'm head to toe goosebumps just thinking about the whole game. It's just phenomenal. Um, yeah, and, and like, it, it, so that slingshot Larian into the position that CD Projekt Red used to be before Cyberpunk. And I know Cyberpunk is fixed, mm-hmm. and Idris Elba is like, look, Dave, you should probably play this game. And I'm like, all right, I will, buddy. Trust me. But, um, like, like everybody has their unassailable developer. I know people like, oh, no, I'm objective. But you have your favorites. You just do. Mm-hmm. Um, like, they're sitting up there with Capcom now in terms of whatever you come out with, I'm going to give it, like, four or five looks before I even come close to saying no. And that's weird because Capcom suck. Capcom? More like <laughs> Crapcom. Am I right? <laughs> Um, and if you're wondering if I am excited about Monster Hunter Wilds, why yes. Why yes I am. Anyway, um, thank you very much for listening to a bunch of old timers sit around a campfire and whittle on about stupid video games we played this year. Um, if you would like to play along with these stupid old timers, Craig. Yes. What do we have coming up next? We're about to record them soon, actually. Flip and ask me that. Hang on. We have Desperados. Desperados. So we've got Desperados and Evil West as we're next. No, no, we have Desperados 3 and Evil West, not Desperados 1. Oh, yeah, yeah, sorry. Desperados 3, Evil West. There's a lot of numbers here. And then after that, we've got Little Nightmares 1 and 2 and Evil Within 2. Um, Yeah. Um, And... um, we have already recorded one of those episodes. Does it matter if you guess it? Absolutely not. But feel free to. Um, <laughs> and when we say Little Nightmares 1 and 2, we're going to cover both on one episode. Yeah. And then the next episode will be Evil Within 2. Um, so if you would like to play along with us, that would be fantastic. Otherwise, I hope your 2024 is off to a rollicking good start. We're about to leave here and play Wasteland 3 together. So... Yes. If I see you on PSN, I'll probably run the other way because I don't like people. But I will be yelling thank you. I know know we don't normally, like, I'm not the host, so we can cut this if you want. (gasps) But did you have, because we used to do honourable mentions, did you have, like, a spewy list of honourable mentions? Pathfinder Kingmaker, um, which I played a bunch of. Okay. Um, Stellaris, Blood Bowl 3. Um... No, no, I, I really don't have a ton of honorable mentions because okay. I did spend so much time on Baldur's Gate and Pathfinder this okay, year. Okay, that's fair enough. Did you? I mean... I mean, yeah. 
but that's that's why I was asking. But I, I'm not going to go and spout out some. Give me your. Give me three. Give me three. Give, yeah. Okay. Uh, the Outer Worlds Spatial Choice Edition. Uh, beautiful game made even. I've got a theme here. Beautiful game made perfect by that. Uh, Cyberpunk. Twenty. Seventy-seven. With okay. the two point one. The two point one. Yeah, two point version two point one with Phantom Liberty. My God! Not only did they fix that game, they it's it feels like a fully fleshed out world now, and it just it blows my mind. Uh, and the third one is an odd one, but I'm gonna go with Horizon Call of the Wild, which is the VR wow. New Horizon. Uh, and the reason for that is it's the first game I've played in VR that I feel like it's just a full VR game. It's not a it's not a gimmick, it's not a it's not anything, it's just it's brilliant. Now, how do you wrestle with the fact that every time you see a female protagonist it fills you with rage? I mean, you're a male protagonist in this horizon. Oh uh, thank God. Oh oh feminists haven't ruined it yet. Oh <laughs> Did Danny oh. cut this out? Absolutely not. <laughs> if people can't tell, that's a joke. <laughs> um, uh, actually, the only, the only, I guess, real, like, honest, honorable mention would be the many pieces of Mister Koo. I have not oh, played yeah. it. I have not done anything with it. But the way that game is designed looks mm-hmm. super cool. If you're not Dave, yeah. Well, I've, I've like, I've got it, played it, and loved it. And what we'll do. That we said we'll do, but what we'll do is one night I will just share my screen and we'll both play our way through that game. Yeah, because um, that 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 is a style of adventure game that doesn't seem to be very popular anymore in arguably an adventure game revival. Yeah. Anyway, okay, so just to sum everything up, next up we have Evil West and we have Desperados 3 because cowboys are cool. Mm-hmm. After that, we have Little Nightmares 1 and 2 and Evil Within 2 because things that have people in them are cool. Yep. Um, other than that, thank you again for listening and thank you for being patient when we had to take a break. Um, we will keep. We will try to have more transparency about uh, what our actual schedule is going to be from here on out. So look for... Uh, in the words of... The legendary figure, Satoru Wada. Please understand. Um, I did do the hand motions, just in case. Okay, right, yeah. Anybody's watching. Um, Alright, so we will catch you next time when we shoot cowboys and non-cowboys. Craig, thank you very much for hanging out. This was a blast. Now we should probably boot up Wasteland 3. Yeah, that's all I've been waiting for. I've been on autopilot. I've (laughs) I've been playing it this whole time. (laughs) Ha <laughs> <laughs>